It is a Wednesday night. <clears throat> Should I say a late Wednesday afternoon? Yet we find ourselves together again. Logic and Larry family, we find ourselves once again in the circle of trust and intellect and objectivity because once again, tragedy has befallen our nation and once again we are forced to deal with the nonsense at hand and we are forced to have difficult discussions because apparently no one else wants to have them. Now, I've been beating the same drum for weeks. You knew I was beating the drum when Frank James shot up the subway. You knew I was beating the drum Friday when we discussed the Buffalo Massacre. You know I'm going to beat the drum again today because they're still not getting it and people are dying and nothing is being done about it. Everything I say in this podcast, I have to tell you, is strictly my opinion as a private citizen. Nothing I say in this podcast is the opinion or the official position of any other entity or any other person. I'm speaking to you as a private citizen, just Larry Kay, me in my apartment in Newark, New Jersey, overlooking the Manhattan skyline, the Newark, New Jersey skyline, as United Airlines planes taxi and fly into Newark International Liberty Airport. Today or should I say yesterday, we had another mass shooting tragedy. This time, 21 lives were needlessly taken by, again, a suicidal, unstable, gun-owning assailant. Now, this assailant was a Latino male, 18 years old. Two adults, 19 babies, 19 children were killed. Last week it was white supremacy, the week before that with Frank James, it must have been craziness, now it's just another school shooting. I've been telling you, the identity of the shooter, the demographic, the race doesn't matter. The identity of the victims, the race doesn't necessarily matter every time. Obviously last week people were targeted solely on the basis of race, but that's not the case in many of these shootings. The cause that they select at the end does not matter. None of that matters. What matters is what they have in common. They all have the same thing in common. Today, folks, I've seen, what have I seen? More false narratives. More nonsensical crap on my social media feed, spinning more nonsense. Last week, it was white terrorism. The week before that, it was mental illness. It'll be Islamic terrorism again. Now it's again the AR-15. Now it's all about the AR-15. Even though Frank James, when he shot up the subway, luckily he didn't kill anybody. When Frank James shot up the subway, he used a handgun. If AR-15s were illegal, I guarantee you this individual in Texas would have bought a different gun or several different guns and still committed the same amount of atrocity, the same amount of carnage would have been inflicted by him. But we don't have people that want solutions. We have nonsensical narratives circulating. And if you're somebody who's perpetuating and proliferating these nonsensical narratives, instead of getting real about what we can do to solve the problem, then guess what? You are part of the problem. I've seen two narratives take hold today. One of them is that the AR-15 is the most evil thing in the world. And the only reason this is happening is because the AR-15 is so extremely dangerous and the AR-15 needs to be banned. And that's how we can solve our problems. And if you're not for banning the AR-15, then you are part of the problem. Well, let me tell you something. 
I have talked to people who know a lot about weapons, the construction of weapons. I'm a gun owner myself, legally. The AR-15 in and of itself is not the number one reason why we have this carnage, okay? That's just a type of gun, but any gun will suffice, and I've talked to you. Let's, let's, let's step back. And I apologize, I'm a little wound up because this is, this is, it's happening so often. People are dying and nothing's being done and we have the means to fix it yet we don't even try and I'm just a little beside myself. So let me take a breath. Let me listen to Coltrane. Let me take a sip of my drink here after a long day at work. Let's discuss the fact that people are in their minds and publicly and politicians in the ways they discuss these mass shootings are improperly sequestering these different mass shootings into different categories when in reality they have more in common than they have separate. They have more in common than they have not in common, right? I saw a lot of people today discussing and posting about just school shootings acting as if school shootings were a completely separate phenomenon than mass shootings in public in general, right? It seems as though people who are posting about school shootings this morning don't associate school shootings with the white supremacist massacre last week in Buffalo and don't associate those two with the subway shooting by Frank James the week before that. But that's a mistake. And we discussed this last Friday. It was only a few days ago. It wasn't even a week. We didn't even make it a week. I told you guys it would be another week or so. We'd have another mass shooting. It would be a different MO and we'd have different causes and different narratives take hold. Well, I was right. But it didn't even take a week. It took a few days for these narratives to take hold and for another shooting to happen, for more innocent lives to be lost needlessly. But I see a lot of people, a ton of people, a ton of people, Putting this into one category. And it doesn't belong in one category. It doesn't belong just sequestered in just school shootings. It belongs in a category with all the other mass shootings that have occurred. Because they all have in common individuals who are feeling some sort of societal grievance. Who want to go out in a blaze of glory. I lack a better way to describe it, so I'll call it a blaze of glory. And who are easily able to purchase a firearm legally. It doesn't matter whether they shoot a school or whether they shoot a subway station or whether they shoot a supermarket or whether they claim Islamic fundamentalism as their, their goal, or whether they claim white supremacy as their goal, or whether they don't specify a motive at all, it's the same profile, the same warning signs every single time. Now, in this particular case, the individual sent direct messages to, to other people before he committed the shooting, saying he was gonna kill his grandmother, then 30 minutes later, he reported to the individual that he had, in fact, killed his grandmother, which was verified. He did kill his grandmother. Then he said to individuals on social media via direct message that he was going to kill, shoot up a school. So this wasn't a 
as much of the warning signs as some of these other people where they were posting for months or weeks about what they were going to do. But nonetheless, there were warning signs within a half hour to an hour before it happened that could have prevented it. There were various reports that this individual was an angry person who was sending inappropriate text messages to young ladies that he worked with, was rude to people that he worked with, seemed like an unstable, generally individual. There are reports that this individual walked around carrying boxing gloves and randomly fighting people. There were signs there that this person, this 18-year-old young man, probably should not be somebody who could walk into a gun store and just purchase a gun easily. There were warning signs. I am going to once again break down possible and potential solutions to this massive problem, which relate all the shootings to each other as they should be, rather than trying to parse them out as separate things for our separate political agendas. But first, what I want to do is discuss some of the nonsensical narratives that are circulating, because once again, one of the things that we concentrate on in this podcast, in this community, dare I say, in this intellectual family that we've kind of started here and we've begun to, to tackle problems from an objective viewpoint and then take that out into the world is that we don't want to participate in, in nonsensical narratives. And the nonsensical narratives are quite easy to spot because whether you think you're an independent thinker or not, most of the people who share these narratives think they're independent thinkers. But at the end of the day, they're actually just parroting. They're actually just retweeting. They're actually just regurgitating and reposting something that somebody in some political bunker somewhere had thought of to try to preempt the conversation and preempt the dialogue, to try to take hold and commandeer the dialogue before it could even happen. So when you're sharing something that everybody else who seems to be like-minded politically to you is sharing, you should pause and think about whether or not what you're sharing actually makes sense in the real world or whether or not it could be just some nonsensical narrative put forth by some partisan strategist. I've been railing so much on the left as of late, and I'll get to them in a second, but, but today what I saw, as far as a narrative being proliferated, today what I saw was something coming from the right, and it was quite absurd. What I've seen very early in the morning, because they knew that the gun talk was going to pop up, right? They knew that common sense regulations of access to firearms was going to be a subject of conversation. They knew that conversation was coming, right? So what did they do? They preempted that conversation with this nonsensical narrative. Are you ready? Because you've heard it. You've heard it all day. I bet you've seen it posted several times. You've seen people talk to you about it. You've had people approach you seeming like good people saying, hey, what about this? And it's been the same narrative. You know what that narrative is? Why can't we arm teachers? Why can't we put armed guards at every school? Why can't we have TSA level type security at every school? That's the way to solve the problem. Let's get armed to the teeth, tough guys at every school. And let's arm our teachers, put teachers through training classes so that they can defend the students. That's the way forward. Why aren't we doing enough? Why aren't we arming teachers? Why aren't we fortifying schools? Why aren't we having TSA security checks at a front door to every elementary school? Damn it, we need results. If you are somebody who has been saying that, if you are suggesting that we arm teachers or that we put forth a TSA level, TSA style checkpoint in front of schools, I want you to do something for me. 
You can turn the, the volume up so you can hear the Coltrane to keep give you some inspiration. Take out your phone if you got it in front of you, if it'll allow you to keep playing the podcast. I want you to open your camera. Switch your camera to selfie. Give you a chance if you're one of these people who've been saying this. Switch your camera to selfie. Look at your face. Look at it. Look yourself in the eye. Say, I am an idiot. Smack yourself in the face once for me. Please, smack yourself in the face. Get some sense. Get some sense. Smack yourself with the other hand really, just really quick. Not too hard. Just want you to get some sense. Okay. Now, flip back out of the camera. Flip back out of the camera, Bree. I know you didn't say it. Flip back out of the camera and, and come back to the conversation. So just, I had to do it. You, ha- you had to do it to yourself because that's the most abs- one of the most absurd things I've heard. We are legitimately discussing arming our educators. I know plenty of teachers, most of them young women who care about education sincerely, but definitely did not sign up in their education and their low pay to be armed guards. And even if you included the armed guard angle in their pay, would choose not to be armed guards. Teachers are not armed guards, okay? And TSA-style checkpoints in our classrooms and schools is not necessary when there's more viable, better solutions available to us. We don't need to protect. It's basically saying we we don't want to change anything about gun laws. We don't want to in any way discuss the topic of people getting too much access to guns. We don't in any way want to sit at the table and have a legitimate objective discussion about it. We have no desire to do that. So instead, what we propose to let you know we care is to arm our teachers and have TSA airport style checkpoints at our front doors. I mean, it's common sense. But the money that you would have to spend to arm our teachers, train our teachers, pay the extra stipend to our teachers to carry a gun and implement these vast metal detecting TSA style systems in the school, you could spend that kind of money and do what I propose, which is just have more robust background checks for people buying guns, have more robust law enforcement on the Internet regulate the internet better have more robust statutory law that holds people accountable who witness people saying on the internet that they're going to carry out these threats and fail to alert authorities or worse yet participate in the encouragement of the situation those things would cost much less than funding all these massive security systems in our schools and guess what because once again because once again And CLR says it's not going to stop it, and it's right. But you know what? It's not going to stop shootings in schools if a teacher has a gun. But you know what? Even more, it won't stop because people continuously insist upon sequestering and separating mass shootings from one another. This one's Islamic extremism. This one's white supremacy. This one's a school shooting. This one's a bombing. This one's Instead of focusing on the fact that they're all really the same, they keep insisting on separating them. What they're doing is they're forgetting that if you put armed guards at every school, it's not gonna stop the subway shooting. It's not gonna stop the grocery store shooting. It's not gonna stop the Las Vegas concert shooting. It's not gonna stop the Navy base shooting. It's not gonna stop the Boston Marathon bombing. 
What don't you get? Schools are not a separate category from this. They're all the same. When will people start recognizing that mass shooters and mass murderers all share commonalities? I've been preaching it. Why won't people listen? Why won't people listen? You know why? Because our politicians are useless. Because when somebody picks up a gun and shoots at a school, it gives them political fodder for the next election. I hate to say it. It's a terrible thing, but it's true. Democrats know that saying we need to ban AR-15s, making this all about AR-15s is never going to get anywhere. Why? Because mindful, intelligent, educated gun owners know that the type of gun is really largely irrelevant to the amount of carnage you can inflict. inflict. AR-15 versus a semi-automatic handgun with an extended clip and probably a higher caliber, bigger ammunition bullet is not that much of a difference from an AR-15, right? But they want to beat the drum of the AR-15 because those who follow them will say they'll latch onto it. They'll scream about AR-15s. They'll post memes about AR-15s. They'll post statuses about AR-15s. They'll talk about AR-15s. And you know what that's going to do? To the people on the other side who know about guns, it's going to shut them down. They're going to not want to have that conversation at all because they know that the type of gun is not really relevant. Further, if they're gun owners, they know that they own an AR-15. They are responsible gun owners, and they don't want it taken away, especially when it's not going to actually make an impact on mass shootings anyway, because they're just going to go purchase a different kind of gun and still do the mass shoot. But by beating the AR-15 drum and blaming the other side, they will get fodder for their next election. They will energize the base. So they beat that drum, but it's not an actual solution. And on the other side, they know damn well that common sense, common sense restrictions on purchasing a gun are relatively, I don't want to say easy to implement, but they are doable to implement. On a federal level, which will make gun purchasing standards uniform across states, is also very doable, very feasible, and we can do a better job. But they know that they have a rabid base of gun owners and people who don't want to buy into any regulation. And if they keep selling this arm the schools, good guys with a gun will stop a bad guy with a gun. Anybody who's evil will find a way to get a gun. They want to keep beating that drum because that's fodder for their next election, too. That's fodder for their next election, too. Imagine if you had a job. And your job assignment was to solve problems. And every day you went to work. And instead of sitting with your coworkers, discussing common grounds, discussing the reasons, the causes for the problem, and then discussing solutions with your coworkers, you just went to work every day and screamed at your coworkers across the conference table about how you should solve the problem and how you can't solve the problem. Every day you showed up and screamed at your coworkers about how you should and should not solve the, constant, uh, the, the problem. And then the harder you argued and the less you did, the better chance it was that you kept your job. And the more you sat down and actually wanted to have a solution and have a discussion, the less likely it was that you kept your job. Imagine a world like that. 
almost none of us live in a world like that. But currently on the national level, our politicians do live in a world like that. The less they do, but the more they argue, the better chance it is that they keep their job. The more solution-minded they are, the less chance there is. And that has a lot to do with gerrymandering. It has a lot to do with extreme extreme partisanship, extremism. There is an incentive for our politicians not, not to solve problems because as long as problems persist, they have a talking point to scream at the other side about. And as long as they can scream at the other side, they have a better chance of galvanizing their base and keeping their job. That is a bad system. That is a bad way of solving problems. We have a problem to say the least in this country that has persisted now for decades. We have a problem with unstable people getting access to guns. We have a problem with an unregulated internet that encourages dispute, anger, strife, and feedback in a negative way to commit negative acts. We have a problem in this country where certain states have lax laws as far as guns and other states have strict laws. If you know anything about anything, you know that this state has free commerce amongst the various commonwealths. Therefore, if something's legal in one state, it's going to come into the other state relatively easily, no matter what that state's regulations are. What people don't want to talk about in this country, which I have continued to discuss on this podcast over and over again and i will beat it like a dead horse until we get some traction on it is the fact that most the gun violence in this country most the gun casualties in this country are the result of handguns they are illegal handguns but they come from areas of the country where buying a gun is easy The old crap narrative that Chicago has tough gun laws, but there's so much gun violence. New Jersey has tough gun laws, but there's so much gun violence. All that nonsense, it's nonsense because most of the illegal guns in Newark, in Chicago, in Brooklyn, in the Bronx, in Philadelphia come from states where it's easy to buy a gun. But that's the biggest problem. And by the way, most of those murders are committed with handguns. So the whole AR-15 debate, that doesn't impact that either. That's why it's disingenuous. Arming teachers is disingenuous. Saying we can't solve the problem with regulating gun sales is disingenuous. You can vaguely say all you want, we got to blame mental health, but what are you going to do to solve mental health, right? The only thing you can do to solve the mental health problem with people who are mentally unstable buying guns is to make it harder to buy a gun. What are you going to do? Magically cure everybody who's got suicidal tendencies overnight just because mental health, quote unquote, you're not going to do that. All you can do is restrict their ability to cause a problem and to buy a gun. That's one step. Will it stop every single murder? No, but it'll stop quite a few compared to what we're dealing with now. But we don't want to solve the problem. We do. But we want to buy narratives and spit narratives and talk narratives. And the politicians want to sell us narratives and they don't want to solve the problem. But guess what? It's unacceptable. At this stage, it's completely and utterly unacceptable that we have this pandemic, this epidemic, this epidemic of violence and death. Children are dying for going to school. People are dying for going to the grocery store. People are dying for commuting to work and they don't and refuse to solve the problem.
they refuse to solve the problem. That is egregious. That is a breach of fiduciary duty. A breach of fiduciary duty and people need to be taken to task for not doing their jobs. There is a problem with shootings in this country and those charged with solving our problems refuse to do their job. That is egregious. That is disgraceful. That is reprehensible to say the least. It needs to change. Now, I've told you there are potential solutions. They are not that elusive. But you can't start off a solution by bringing up something that your opponent or the other side negotiating is going to say is a non-starter. So don't say AR-15s because you know damn well that banning an AR-15 is never going to fly and you're never going to succeed. Why don't you say tougher background checks? Now, some people still will fight that, but at least you can call them out for being illogical, for being inobjective. You have credibility, they have none. There's no credible reason not to increase and strengthen background checks, none. And you will look like a fool if you try long enough and hard enough to fight against that and the spotlight remains on you. AR-15s is a different story. So if Democrats are serious about gun control and fixing the situation or violent people in general, they should start talking about universal background checks on the federal level that flag people much better who are at risk and who could cause a problem. If Democrats are serious, they're going to stop talking about type of gun AR-15 because it's not. It's a non-starter. And not only is it a non-starter, it doesn't even make any sense. Start talking about background checks to restrict access to people who have in the past shown a propensity to commit violence or who are people we don't want to have firearms. Second, do an investigation into New York's red flag law and why it failed in Buffalo. There should be a more robust system statewide and federally to detect people who have had prior red flags raised in their history a questionable social media presence, a questionable presence amongst their peers socially, so that if they go to apply to buy a gun, there is a mechanism to investigate them and determine whether or not they are suitable to own a gun based on their past actions and their reputations on social media and in the community. Investigate that and find a way to make it more robust. Three, increase law enforcement presence on the internet in terms of cybercrime, and that's twofold proposition. Number one, the internet companies need to be more regulated with more oversight as far as their algorithms, the different servers that they use, different sites that they service that allow people to be more anonymous in the corners of the internet. People have a right to free speech, but there should be government officials, many more of them. It should be a much more robust system that monitors activity in the public sphere. I'm not talking about things you need a search warrant for, like going into somebody's cell phone or going into their private messages. I'm talking about things that they post publicly in a public forum. In a public forum, there should be much more monitoring of people saying questionable things and potentially violent things in a public forum 
so that those people can then be monitored. And more importantly, a red flag, which is the purpose of the law, which is the reason the law is called a red flag law. More importantly, so that a red flag can be placed on that individual so that when they show up to a gun store, something alerts the gun shop owner and authorities that they are somebody questionable that perhaps they should not be owning a gun right now or more investigation or more litigation is needed. The second part of that law enforcement bolstering on, on the internet is I'm not proposing at this juncture that individuals who simply witness somebody say something should be held criminally liable if they don't report it. There could be all kinds of reasons why you don't want to report it, all kinds of reasons why you're not obligated to affirmatively take action when somebody else is doing something and you're just a passive observer. I understand that. But on the other hand, not so much with this particular individual, but especially with the individual in Buffalo, we know that individuals not only observed him posting questionable things and observed him posting literally what he was going to do, that he was going to attack African-American people at tops. We not only know that, but we know that individuals actually actively and affirmatively encouraged him to do it and participated and helped to participate in encouraging him and helped to participate in planning the murder. Every time that occurs anywhere in this nation, those people should be charged as accessories to murder. And watch how quick people stop encouraging other people and stop sharing things and stop facilitating these things when they start getting dragged into court and dragged into jail for facilitating these. And let me assure you, I know for a fact that while it's not easy, it's very doable to track down these people on the Internet. It's very doable to find out who they are. It's very doable to identify them and effectuate an arrest, but it's going to require cooperation amongst different agencies at the state level and at the federal level. But it's doable. It's going to take effort. It's going to take time. It's going to take money. But that same effort, time and money that people are spinning should go into TSA checkpoints and armed guards at schools to fortify them would be better spent doing this because this will not just prevent school shootings. This will prevent all mass shootings, not all, I'm not saying 100% success rate, but I'm saying it will be applicable to any mass shooting, any potential mass shooting, not just school shootings. And it'll probably be less money than outfitting every school across the country with TSA level security and armed guards. So it's doable. And anybody advocating for armed security and armed guards should be somebody who's willing to listen to this because funding should not be a problem since you're already advocating for a whole ton of funding on your solution. These are all things that we can implement. The last thing is, once you have these mechanisms in place, once you have these mechanisms in place, you should start to hold gun shop owners civilly liable and potentially criminally liable depending on how egregious the lack of background check was for selling guns to individuals who come up on the red flag laws when the gun shop owner knew or should have known that the individual they sold the gun to posed a serious risk to public safety. Now, I'm sure there's already some civil angles in some regards in some states that could tackle that from a civil standpoint. But if there are more robust federal and state laws dealing with this problem in general, that will allow for an even better mechanism to hold gun shop owners liable for these crimes if they are grossly negligent in their check of the individuals that they sell guns to. Now, they already have, if you think it's crazy, if you're going to scoff at me, they already have in places like New Jersey strict liability for drug-induced deaths. Do you know what that is? 
That's when you sell somebody a drug, heroin, cocaine, whatever it may be, and they die from it, you can get charged with murder. So if they can charge drug dealers with murder for selling a drug product, then they certainly can charge gun shop owners for selling a, a murderous person a gun who then goes out and kills 20, 30 people if they can charge somebody who kills one person with an overdose for murder. So before you scoff, and you can agree or disagree with that, and there's a philosophical discussion to be had. I'm not saying there's not a philosophical discussion to be had, but the, don't say we can't do it. Don't say it's never been done. Don't say it's unprecedented because it's not. And those drug laws are widely accepted by most people. So there's no reason the gun angle shouldn't be accepted. But it starts with more robust laws. You can't charge a Texas gun shop owner with that now because the Texas law allows you to just sell guns willy-nilly. So how could you charge him? You can't charge him. It's not his responsibility. There's no law. There's no mandate. Well, you got to make a law first, enforce the law, and then hold them accountable. These are not easy overnight solutions, but these are legitimate solutions to a legitimate problem. And the fact that we're not even discussing them, we're screaming at each other across the social sphere about AR-15s and then arm the teachers. It's just absurd. It's two people chasing their tail around the, the out of bounds of a football field when there's a game to be played on the field on the 20 yard line. And these idiots are throwing the ball to themselves, smacking themselves around while they circle the field. It's a joke. It's time to hold people accountable. Now I'm going to tell you a very intimate and personal story that relates to this. A very intimate and personal story that relates to this. I had a very, very good friend. A very close personal friend. I'd say one of my best friends ever. One of my best friends growing up to this day. I credit him as one of my best friends to this day. He has such an influence on my sense of humor, on who I am, on what I say, on my world outlook. And me and this guy, we were, he was more outcasted than me, I would say, but both of us had a lot of friends. But both of us kind of looked at society as, you know, unfair and full of BS and, and people getting a leg up they shouldn't and, and this and that. But it was all in humor. It was all in fun. Well, after high school, we, we talked and we hung out, but then we started to drift apart a little bit. And this person became more and more reclusive and more and more mentally and emotionally unstable. And had I ever known that this individual was going to purchase a firearm, I certainly would have tried to act to stop him from purchasing a firearm. And it's not always the people around people's faults because this person's family helped so tried so hard to get him on the right track, tried so hard to help him. Siblings and parents, his friends in his social circle tried so hard to help him. But one day I got a call from two individuals totally from across the country that I had grown up with. And they said that this person had posted a very disturbing video online. And I already kind of suspected, oh, geez, because he was unstable. Oh, geez. Now, everybody knew he was unstable. So whoever signed off in Jersey, you have to get two referrals to, to own a firearm. Somebody had to sign the referrals. And anybody, if it, if it had come to me, I certainly would not have signed the referral and I would have tried to get him help if he was trying to buy a firearm. That's how much I knew he wasn't stable enough to own one. I don't know who signed the referrals, 
but that's a problem. Back then, you didn't have a crazy internet presence, so they couldn't track that down. Anyway, unfortunately, he made a video that morning of himself with a handgun, and it was his suicide video. And subsequent to posting the suicide video, he took his own life. He took his own life. Now, what was interesting, sadly, about the video was that in the video, he said that he had been in contact with other individuals via the Internet. And mind you, this is like 2011, so the Internet was even less accessible and, and, and expansive than it is now. But he said that individuals on the Internet had encouraged him to take other people out with him and do like a mass shooting. And he said on the video, that's not the kind of person he is. He's not going to do that. But the fact was, people were encouraging him to do that. I wonder who these people were. This has been going on for years. Luckily, he was a good man and would not do that. But they knew, A, that this person was at risk and was going to take their own life. And not only encouraged him to take his own life, but encouraged him to take the lives of others. These people are still out there, I bet. These people have never been held accountable. We don't know who they are. There should be mechanisms to investigate and find out who they are in every instance like this. He also gave thousands of dollars to somebody, according to him, and we don't know who that is. So that's another individual who was out there, knew this person was at risk, knew this person had access to a firearm, knew this person was going to hurt himself, potentially himself and others, and yet took money from him and let him go about his business. This was about 11 years ago, and this is my personal experience. There is no reason why we can't have more robust protections and mechanisms in our society to one, try to thwart and try to prevent mass shootings and B, two, hold those accountable who enable and encourage these people to continue with their acts to harm themselves and others. There is no excuse. The only excuse we have, the only reason we have is that politicians and those of us who enable them continue to parrot nonsensical narratives and yell across the table at each other in an endless cycle of nothingness. That gets us nowhere. Screaming about AR-15s when any gun could cause this, when bombs could cause it too. Screaming about arming teachers when there's so many more common sense mechanisms you know, available to put in place to solve the problem is a dereliction of duty, not just for the politicians, but it falls on each and every one of us, too. If we're not having a more serious conversation, if we're not taking our politicians and elected officials to task for why they haven't done more, if we aren't taking to the sound waves and talking to our neighbors and our families this Memorial Day weekend, rather than just have a hot dog, have a burger, have a beer, but talk about this, because this could be you, this could be your family, this could be your loved one next time. If we as a society are not going to band together to demand change and demand something be done, at least something be tried to be done, then we are all culpable for the next set of bodies that appear on our news screens.
We are all culpable. It's time we all collectively wake up and get down to the business of solving our societal problems as a society. This is not just a sounding board to get up every day, scream at the other side, go to sleep, and let the world continue to burn. If you're on this earth, you have a responsibility to your neighbor and a responsibility to yourself and those you love to try to make a difference and make the dialogue more productive. And that's all we preach on this show. And again, I just said it Friday, they were, they were trying to score political points last week, and they're trying to score political points this week, and they're trying to separate the different mass shooters when we know that there's commonalities, when the commonalities have been researched ad nauseum, we know that there are certain angles that you can attack this problem with, and nothing's happening and nothing's being done, and yet we keep electing more and more partisan people in these primaries so they can continue to dig their heels in, continue to refuse to talk to each other, continue to play. This is something I posted the other day on social media. We have far too many people who play to the crowd rather than lead the crowd. Far too many people who play to the crowd and very few people who lead the crowd. So many people want to play to their side and what they want to hear and so few people want to tell their followers the hard truth that you may think this or you may think that but let me tell you that's not necessarily true. I used to be a hardcore to the left person. But I had to have conversations with certain people who I knew their heart was in the right place on the left. But they had to hear certain realities and I myself had to hear certain realities. When I first understood and learned about guns and about the difference between an AR-15 and other guns, I was forced to rethink my position on guns and to be more logical, more objective and more solution-minded on them because I was educated on something I hadn't known much about. When I have met somebody who's from the right word persuasion and they have opened their heart and mind to me, they have usually made progress with me and they have come to understandings with me. We're not going to agree on everything. But they have come to better understandings and I've seen their dialogue and I've seen their way that they think and the way that they analyze situations get better. And when I've seen people on the left who are so hardcore left they can't think straight and they just want to attack anything that goes against their ideology when they've opened their minds and hearts to me and we've talked, they've come to be more objective and more solution-minded. Everybody has something to say, but what we need to do is listen more because no one side has a monopoly on morality. No one side has a monopoly on what's right. No one side has a monopoly on how to solve a problem. If we tune each other out, we're never going to learn anything, and thus we're never going to get to a solution. If we sit and listen to each other and educate ourselves about the actual causes of a problem, about, for instance, the commonality amongst all mass shooters, all mass murderers, instead of trading barbs about which political point was scored this week by the mass murderer, we have a much better chance of stopping the problem and living in better in harmony. It won't always happen 100%. I'm not an idealist. I'm not a utopian. But I'm just saying we have a better chance of solving our problems. We have, as humanity, we've done it before. We've solved serious problems in the past over and over again. The fact that we're digging our heels in now and refusing to do it is a real problem. And it's, it's unacceptable because we are all capable. We can look around and say, oh, everybody's stupid. Everybody doesn't want to think. Everybody's dumb. We can say it all we want. But the fact is, if you talk to any individual human being, they're capable of rational thought. They're capable of listening. 
they're capable of hearing another side. They're capable of importing information into their head, using it to reanalyze their position and attacking a problem with a solution-based mindset. They're capable of that. And all of us need to encourage people to do that. And if our politicians are going to stand up there and stammer and arm teachers and ARs and, and this and, and it's Tucker Carlson and it's, it's, the, it's the Muslims and if they're going to act like that, we're going to tell them, sir, ma'am, politely, you're not acting adult. You're being very juvenile. You're not thinking clearly. I'm going to need you to ask, ask you to sit down and listen to us for a little bit. Stop regurgitating nonsensical memes and let's get down to business of fixing things. Now, I am going to open this podcast up for calls. Please keep in mind that it's hard to edit this thing. It's the middle of the week. So if you're going to call, please call and be measured and, and talk about the topic that we're on. I welcome calls today and I want to hear your perspective. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to go back and forth with you. And I think the people listening whether live or on the recorded version, are going to get a lot from it. So if you have a perspective and you want to share it and you want to talk and you want to be objective about it, if you have solutions I haven't brought up or ideas I haven't brought up or just general things that, you know, comport with what we're talking about, feel free to call. Because this was kind of an impromptu show, but I thought it needed to be done, especially because of everything we just discussed on Friday. I warned that this would happen again in short order, and it did. And, and, and I warned that the narrative would change based on the political, you know, whims of the day. And it did. And by the way, this was a I told you, I mean, it's like the shooters identities shift, the demographics of the shooters, the demographics of the, of the victims, they all switch. Yet the constant remains that these are people with a grievance against society who are suicidal, who want to go out with notoriety and want to go out with a bang, who had easy access to legally purchased guns when they shouldn't have. That's a very straightforward, all-encompassing analysis of the type of people that we're dealing with. And the fact that we keep pretending they're all separate is part of the problem. There's not much separate from this 18-year-old and the shooter at Buffalo other than what we want to use to separate them. We can bring up their demographic. We can bring up their chosen cause. We can bring up where they chose to shoot to try to separate them. But the fact is we have a better chance of solving the problem if we look at what's similar between them. And there's a whole lot of similarities between them. I'm just tired of it. As somebody who's a thinker, it's like I didn't come on here today because I need to hear myself talk or I have nothing better to do or I'm full of, I, I like just recording myself. I came in here because I feel compelled to speak up. I feel compelled to speak up. I feel compelled to reach out to those who rock with me who also are speaking up so that we can have this shared moment to discuss and air out what's going on and so that we can walk away better equipped to have these tough conversations, better equipped to try to convince people to do the right thing, better equipped to try to get results. It's not out of enjoyment, although I do enjoy speaking to you guys usually, and I do enjoy the cold train calms me down a little. I don't get on this thing 
for enjoyment. I get on this thing because I feel compelled to do so. Because I don't see enough people being objective and being real, and I feel the need to fill that void. And one thing I will say is I've seen people from sports commentators to athletic coaches to everyday people with bigger platforms than me come out and speak on this today, say we need a solution, enough is enough. But my question is how long will that last? Will it go away next week until the next shooting? Will it, we shift back into our political partisan corners and start regurgitating talking points again? Or will we continue to keep the pressure on and keep the pressure on ourselves and our neighbors and our fellow citizens to finally do something about this problem? Will we make this issue an issue that's at the forefront of the midterms? And I don't mean partisanly. I don't mean Democrats screaming to ban AR-15s and Republicans screaming to arm, you know, veterans because they don't get taken care of, put them in front of the school. I don't mean that. I mean, are we going to have a rallying cry at some point in this country where we put forth candidates and issues that are solution-minded? People running for office in this country who step up with an actual platform geared towards tackling our problems that doesn't necessarily stay within the bounds of their party's ideological platform. Are we as a people going to do that? I've lived on this earth since 1985, and I have my doubts. But I'm not that pessimistic. I think it's possible. But these everyday people who have different jobs and large platforms, they need to keep the pressure on. They need to keep speaking out on these issues. Somebody like me, even, who doesn't have a large platform, but has a large platform locally, you might say, has my own influence considerably. I can't sit by on Wednesday and just watch TV and throw on Netflix and act like nothing happens. I need to speak up. And so I did. More of us need to do that. More people need to do that. And Devo, let's see what he says. Do you think the other hot button topic of teaching kids about sexuality might help in reducing these occurrences by being more inclusive and teaching kids inclusion at an earlier age to limit bullying and help the mental health of some of these kids? That's a loaded question. I mean, I think, um, I think... Inclusion is important. I don't know that delving into gender type studies and sexuality type studies in second grade is beneficial to kids. I actually think it could actually lead to more confusion, more strife, more issues. I think if a kid were to come out with an issue, then... You know, Rick, you're here. Rick, you're here. Come out with a. Come out with, with, then you should be inclusive of that kid. But I don't think that putting that forth early is necessarily a solution to any of these problems. <laughs> the sexually confused shooters, but I don't think that's necessarily something prevalent through everybody. All for inclusion. I'm all for sex education. I just don't know that it should start at second grade or, or third grade. I think that's part of the problem in this country. One side saying we got to throw it out at second, third grade. The other side saying you can never talk about it. I think that's a problem. Rick, you're on. I want to get your thoughts, but here's what I don't want to do. I know Deep left that question, threw that question out there. 
definitely briefly touch on it, but I don't want to veer into gender stuff because that's not what the show's about. So just just telling you. What's Actually, up? I was going to talk about bullying. Your your volume on this whole show has been low. I can barely hear you right now. Interesting. Anybody else having that problem? I'm going to have to up the volume for the recorded version. But um, that's I'll deal with that. I got a new phone. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I'll have to figure that out. So anyway, just to briefly touch on that, which is not really why I, why I called, it just happened to coincide with that. But it seems to me that since, what was that, 99 with Klebold and whoever? Yes. Yeah, that, we've instituted the whole anti-bullying thing and things just seem to be getting worse. So I don't know how effective that has been because, you know, as you know, being an 85 person, uh, there was bullying back then, but there were no shootings, really, right? No, not until Columbine. When I was, I the Columbine kids were a little bit older than me or my age. That's when it started. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, and so, it. I feel that this whole repressing kids from acting out or bullying and trying to create this safe space has created more issues than than it solved anything. Because let's face it, things have gotten way worse since then. And I want to touch on that. I like that you said that because I want to talk about what Frank 888 said here. Frank said really needs to be a class about the First Amendment and respecting people of different religions and views. The sexuality stuff would hopefully fall into place of that. So I think kind of where you were going to. Yeah, like I think kids working things out socially amongst themselves, like I'm not advocating violence or anything, but as a young man, a young boy, if we got in a scuffle, we usually worked it out at the end and no one really penalized us. Now I see kids getting charged with assault for like yes. fight in the playground. And there is something to be said, I think, for what you're saying, which is like we're not even letting kids naturally socialize with each other. Now, I, I, I'm not proclaiming to be a social sociologist and be able to say that's the cause or anything. But you're bringing up the potential that it could be part of the reason is we're, we're going too hard on these kids trying to force them into like being kind and repress them and everything. Sometimes kids got to figure it out on their own. And we like completely are against that. And maybe that has something to do with it. It's an interesting take. Yeah, my son got suspended and it was an off-campus incident where he was defending a girl whose boyfriend was literally pushing her and screaming at her. He shoved this kid down and told him, you know, if you want to step into somebody, step into me. He got suspended for three days. Yes, yeah, see? Wait, wait, for, for fighting or just for stepping in like that? He just stepped in and pushed the kid down and somebody saw it and told the school and the school's like, your kids belong to us from the time they leave the school till the time they get to your house. So technically it was a school incident to which I responded, then are you going to return the skateboard that was stolen at Walgreens on the way home from school? <laughs> right, right. Because apparently it's their jurisdiction, right? They're in charge. And right. No. So that was ridiculous, but that's not what I really wanted to address. I just, that statement just kind of brought that up. And uh, now I have to retrace and figure out what I was going to say. It was something about Beto O'Rourke and the Abbott thing and how it's, it's the same old shit there with them going, you know, this isn't the time, this isn't the time. Uh, that was all fine and good, like, you know, 60 shootings ago <laughs> but well, what saying and by the way siren said one thing i wanted to touch on i wanted you to touch on it 
before we go into this, because I want to go into this, she said that bullying has also increased with the prevalence of social media because a lot more cyberbullying is more prevalent and more consistent. I have to agree with that. Would you agree with that too? Like the conflict has risen in general with social media, including with kids, because now they're fighting relentlessly on that shit and harassing each other. Sure. I mean, in, in a sense, but it, it's, it's also what constitutes bullying. I mean, I had another experience when my son was in grade school where I was called out of work to go down to the school because my son had struck another kid. I think I discussed this before. Right. You had. Yeah. And yeah. it was his buddy and he just had hit him in the shoulder, oh, you know, when he came out like, Hey, how's it going? And the, they, everybody was fine, but the playground monitor thought that was bullying. He struck another child. Therefore it's bad. So the definition of bullying has changed significantly. I can't disagree with that. I mean, and, and being somebody who grew up kind of rough and tumble boy and now seeing I was in, I worked in juvenile affairs for a little while, a couple of years ago, I can attest to the fact that we are definitely approaching, um, we are definitely approaching a different realm in that regard. And I think it's probably a big problem um, Simon said, in our generation, there was promise of an escape once you left school, but now it follows you forever because of the internet. And would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, the internet's part of the problem. I don't know if you saw my comment earlier in the cast where, since we had that conversation today about the AR and, you know, nine millimeter handguns, like every third ad is get your concealed weapon permit. Here's a leg holster. Here's a holster that you can put right down in your nuts and, and nobody will know you have it. Seriously, on Facebook. Yeah, they're bad, man. They are. I mean, that's promoting the problem, right? Agreed. 100%. 100% agreed. Um, and Devo says it's the world's greatest and worst invention. I got to kind of agree. The internet, man. It's you. Yeah. I think as humans are so flawed that instead of like, like, for instance, Google, man, like you could search, you could research so much good information, but everybody uses the internet to spread bad misinformation. It's like, it's a double-edged sword and people just seem to constantly choose the wrong path when offered. It's, it's just a human thing. It's, it's crazy. But Rick, I wanted to get back to what you said about Abbott because I only vaguely heard about what happened. If you know more about what happened, would you tell us and then discuss your point generally? Because I think your point that you made, I agree with and was a really good one. Well, the, the video is, is Beto is really, um, you can't really hear what he's saying, obviously, because he's not mic'd up, but he stormed into this meeting of lawmakers, Abbott and his Costello, whatever the guy's name is. And they're all going on with the typical platitudes of, you know, well, this is not the time. And, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with these people. And Beta wasn't having it, right? Beta wasn't having it. So he went in there. A couple of people in the audience yelled, let him speak. But but just the anger that came from Abbott and his, I don't know who the other guy is. I'd never seen him before. He's some like frog looking wizards familiar kind of guy with a bad hair comb over yes. and they were, I mean, they were like, ang like you could hear how much hate they had for Beto, who is just really, I mean, he's a citizen voicing his opinion in a, in a forum. Right. I, I mean, we have a sort of a right to do that. I get that there's certain rules and regulations, but, but they're saying the same shit and Beto called him out on it. And so he was, obviously escorted off but the but the point 
that I was making was that they are saying the same shit they always say. And how many times are they going to say that before they do something? Because Abbott has gone absolutely the opposite direction by, and now I know CLR corrected me somewhere, but my understanding was that anyone can get a gun in Texas for any reason. Now you don't need a permit to carry one. Yeah. I saw that. Wasn't that only recently, Rick? Wasn't that like within the year? Yeah. Very recently. And, and you know what that speaks to just a quick aside. It's it's, I keep seeing these States. It's really sick. It's like States are reacting to national politics. Like I've seen, liberal states going like ultra liberal because of some national argument and then conservative states going ultra conservative because of some national argument like texas doing that what was the utility other than just saying we hate liberals and we're like ultra gun like what's the point and then you see yeah it's just it's it's absurd and it's sick like who how are these people making these types of decisions based on national cable news arguments it's absurd yeah, that, that's exactly what you were saying about they, they just use it for political fodder. They don't, you know, they don't give a shit. I mean, but they're like, oh, look at us. We just made it. Everybody can just get a gun. You don't even need a permit. Have fun, Texas. Well, look where we're at. <laughs> the dude bought two ARs and I think 300 and something rounds of ammunition. That should have red flagged the fuck out of him. Well, here, you know what? Here's another interesting topic that I'm sure you could weigh in on that I've thought about. And I, and you know me, you know guns well. I know them okay. You know them better than I do. Um, but I try to tread lightly on the regulatory aspect because I know there is a sensitivity with the Second Amendment and all that. But one thing I'll say is, you know, I think most people, if you got them in a normal room and a normal temperament, would agree. What's wrong with... For, say a person didn't even have any other flags. What's wrong with the fact that if they walk in requesting like three guns of like good, you know, propensity to like, you know, shoot quickly and all this ammo out of nowhere, isn't that in and of itself a red flag? Shouldn't we have laws where like one gun at a time? Like, Rick, you can't even buy more than two beers at a football game per right because then able to down them all why shouldn't like if you walk in just requesting like an arsenal overnight shouldn't you be like told to wait a minute like you might have to wait you know for this like why do you want shouldn't that be a wet red flag on its own yeah i mean they do it with the cough syrup for the people that make bathtub meth right yes that's what i'm right why so if they can if they can track cough syrup they could certainly track gun purchases mm-hmm and, then, and I and I said, yeah, I said that too. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I said cough syrup. It, it people use it to make something called lean, which is a drug. So they track it. They track it. Well, they, they track oxygen. They track all that. Yeah. The bigger stuff you can make you can make meth out of. I had a buddy who used to do that. So, but but the the thing is is that like you were saying about the social media, and, and I made a joke, and it, it was probably at Siren's expense, and I didn't mean that because I think she's freaking hilarious right i mean but she gets occasionally banned on facebook for things she posts if they can track that or i had a buddy who used to post uh classic art right and he would get banned because there was a breast or a or a penis in this you know renaissance art and facebook would ban him but they can't track these fuckers that are like i'm gonna go shoot my school up you know they can and if they can't they need to they have the technology, they need more manpower, they can do it. Like, 
I think what's elusive to some of the general public, I think, is that they think these types of things are like impossible endeavors, and they're not. It's just the lack of willingness by the internet companies, by the government, by anybody to actually tackle the problem. It is doable. It's not this crazy undertaking. But then again, Rick, the same people who think we can arm every teacher in the country and have TSA level security checkpoints at every school across the country easily think it's an, a too tough of an undertaking to have more robust background checks. Something there doesn't quite compute. And that's where like the right comes in and I'm like, and you know I do it to the left all the time because they're more in my face, but I'm looking at the right, I'm like, you just don't want to solve the problem, dude. You, you yeah. You do my, my niece literally just posted something that said, problem solved, armed teachers. And I was like, uh, that's not a solution. It's not. You're going to, you might, you might lose less kids, but what's going to be the effect on a second grader who watches his teacher empty a clip into somebody, you know, I mean, that shouldn't happen at all is the point. Not like let's defend them with more guns and that's everybody, right? Good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun. I don't see that happening. Well, another thing is I spoke to a teacher earlier today, grammar school teacher, who's straight up. I don't want a gun in my classroom. Forget like the, the, the active teacher. I don't want a gun loaded in my classroom. It's a whole nother liability. I got enough problems. I don't get paid enough. I have enough right. issues juggling the education of the students, which is another problem in this country. Now I got a loaded gun just on the day-to-day -day basis. Forget an active shooter. Some kid could get a hold of it, take it home, shoot another kid, take it. It could go off. I could suicide. What? No, that's insane right. to even think about. It, it really is the fact that, and, and Rick, we talk about this all the time. The, I know you've seen it too, because I've seen it. The narratives, how quickly they take hold and how everybody just repeats and parrots it. This was a narrative today. And it's an absurd right. narrative, but people all over are running with it like it's logical. It's great. And I've said that a, a million times in these gun arguments. If more guns made people safer, America would be the safest fucking country on the planet. Well, Rick, do you remember? And I'm not this isn't like a, a show that just attacks guns and gun owners. You know, my no, no. very new stance. I don't think we need to ban guns. I don't think guns are terrible. But remember when I sat here and went through the list of states? with the most gun violence and the ones with the loosest laws had the most violence. Everybody right. focuses on big cities like, oh, Chicago, so Illinois has got to be bad. Newark, so you know Camden and Trenton, so Jersey's got to be bad. But no, when you actually look at the aggregate of each state, the worst, most violent states are the ones with the loosest laws. It's not, it's not right. this idea that more guns in Texas means less crime. No, in the rural towns where there's less crime in general, they right. reduce gun laws, but they also have less crime in general. But if you look at state by state, the more restrictive states have less gun crime, not not the opposite. That's a well, misnomer. I hate it. Well, and plus all these good guys with guns in Texas, I, I always am drawn back to the Waco incident where all the Texans showed up during what was basically an illegal search and seizure of, of legal weapons that the, uh, what was his name? David, somebody, Koresh, Koresh, right? And they all stood on the fences outside the compound watching the government blast into this guy's private property going after allegedly illegal guns that turned out not to be illegal and they made ammunition for local gun stores to supply their cult, right? Right, right. 
Uh, so what did Texas do? They stood there cheering the, the people that they say that they need guns to protect themselves from. Right. When, which, and which ideologically is the reason they say we need guns. But, it, but again, it's not like they actually use it for that purpose. I think right. there's a lot to break down there and unpack. But it's again, this is like psychology between conservatives and liberals. It's like the people that say we need guns to protect the people against the government. When they see black power protesters or black power people marching with guns. First of all, I love it. I don't know why. I do too. The Michigan woman to her chambers and when they were guarding their businesses, you know how I feel about like rioting and burning stuff. When they black business owners were standing there with loaded ARs in front of them, I love it. But why is it that these same gun advocates all of a sudden hate it when they're doing it? It seems a little yeah. Now, most of the people listen to this show, you know, I won't name them by name. They actually support black gun ownership like that. But there's something to be said for that cultural psychology that's, again, like we always talk about, inconsistent and hypocritical. Do they really yeah. believe guns for the reasons they say or just on this like more glossy cultural level where they just they just want to have it to fight, fight crime, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was it, that was pretty obvious when wasn't it Reagan was governor of California with the Black Panthers seized that or not seized. That's a that's a strong word. They went into the statement. Was it was it Oakland or Sacramento? I think it was, it was but, I know what you're talking about. That but he's like, we got to, we got to ban guns. And he, and he passed some basic gun ban law, right? Because the black people showed up at the Capitol with guns and that's not, that's not acceptable, but I think it is. <laughs> right, it is. That's, that's the actual, like, if you look at reconstruction, when the South, the uh, the 13th amendment and the the right of african americans to vote and be free they use guns a lot of times the the african americans to enforce their rights that is actually like crystallized the argument of the right wing as to why we need guns but yet they don't seem to be cheering for them to have guns it's just crazy to me it just goes more into this hypocritical thing with this country where you don't go with what logically is the outgrowth of your actual ideology you go with like this cultural sports team mentality you just root for your side a lot of it's on nonsensical cultural lines instead of actual ideologically consistent intellectual lines it's just oh yeah that that brings me to i have i have one final point to make and then somebody else can call so there was a lady that was saying about this Texas shooting, another white supremacist, blah, 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 blah. And I said his name, which I'm not going to repeat just because I don't want it broadcast into the universe further. You know what I mean? But it was a very Hispanic name and he was a very Hispanic person. And I, and I said that to her and she said, well, just because that's his name doesn't mean his dad wasn't some white supremacist in Texas. And I'm like, oh my God, really? That name? But do you see though, like you, I know you see, but it's just hy hypothetical. Like, yeah. like, yes, <laughs> this is what people want to cling to. Like it's got to be either white terrorism cleanly. It's either got to be AR-15s cleanly or it's yeah. Islamic fundamentalism cleanly, or it's got to be criminals cleanly. And this goes to a point I wanted to make to you before you hang up. I saw people saying today on like a very right wing page. And by the way, they posted something like, it's not the gun that's evil, it's the person. So actually yeah. engaged some people on that page and actually got some legitimately good consensus with some of them. They came at me first, like it's not the gun. I said, hey, well, what about access to guns? What about restricting it? What about prosecuting people who are, are accessories to murder who post on the internet? They wholeheartedly agreed, a bunch of them, like, yeah, you're right, 100% down with you. But one of the posts somebody said was, 
And enough with these liberals being soft on crime. Now, you know my stance. I'm hard on crime. I'm tough on crime. I don't agree with the whole willy-nilly liberal let everybody out of jail thing. However, this has nothing to do with that. These guys, the last three guys are not, I mean, Frank James maybe, but the last two, they were not like known criminals in and out of jail. Like they just throw the same talking points at the problems. They're not even applicable. Like these guys are not like criminals who are in and out of jail. They're completely unhinged wackos that have never really brushed elbows with the police like so people just throw their nonsense at the like whether so this guy he's a white supremacist even though he's far from it and those guys it's because he's liberals are soft on crime even though that's far from it they don't even let go of their ideologies when it's blatantly not applicable to the situation yeah you, you know you know how i shut down that conversation with that lady was by suggesting that perhaps this anger towards everything white is part of the problem. And that's why I, I think I brought this up before 69, 69% of all suicides in this country are white middle-aged males. Yeah, well, yeah. I was like, perhaps all this anger being heaped on everybody, every blame, every blame goes to white males or religion anymore. Everything. I mean, everything bad. It's immediately, I just had a friend post something about, you know, why didn't God stop the shooting in Texas? And, and the, thing was because there is no God just wake up and, you know, realize that it, it, it doesn't matter if there's a God or not. It, the, that's not how God works in, in the religious world either. You know, he doesn't intervene. If he did, there'd be no free will, but I figured I would throw out some, something controversial about, you know, the white males, because I know your listeners love that. <laughs> I know that's a, <laughs> one of the most controversial topics of the day. What I will say regarding <laughs> what you said is, I will say that I, I did bring it up last week that, you know, don't you think that doubling down on the political divisiveness, some people were saying last week because of the Buffalo shooting that we needed more like anti-racist, more like CRT, more like, you know, against the oppressor studies. And I said, whether you agree with that or not, maybe we do, maybe we don't. I'm not taking a position, but what I will say is you're doubling down on like the the strife and the the back and forth and the debate and the anger and there's no question in my opinion because when i outlined the shooters last week there were plenty of left-wing motivated shooters and plenty of right-wing motivated shooters there were plenty of black shooters plenty of white shooters plenty of middle eastern shooters like any way you slice it the strife itself the anger itself the divisiveness itself the the bait itself the fight itself is fueling everybody to shoot each other so doubling down on any one side is certainly not going to help and that's what i'll say to that point because it makes a lot of sense but thank rick thanks for the call as always it was good you bet man people a lot of different perspectives which is what we're trying to do and and i know we needed to vent i know we needed to talk today so that's why we came on and i'm glad you joined me bro Plus, I like it when you do your voices. And you have to send me that song because your volume being low, I could barely hear it. Although it does seem to counteract your whole idea that you don't like to hear yourself when I heard you like to hear my voice on the radio. So I'll just leave it at that. Well, I was telling that to other people. <laughs> that's a new song, so that's going to be out when this album drops, which I promise you it is. It was a little preview. but you I was digging it, but I couldn't hear it. Yeah, no, you'll get the full version when it comes out, and it's very – you'll like it. I know you'll like it. I know your type of stuff you like. You'll like that. So. All right, brother. Later. So Rick once again with another good call. Good call from Rick again. Yeah, and I don't know why my volume's low. I think I got a new phone and I put a case on it. I think maybe it's covering the mic because one thing I realized was that uh, 
one thing I realized was that um, when I like even move my finger over the mic, it like covered it. So I'm trying to figure out what the problem could be with that. As usual, I have uh, as usual, I have problems with my setup and audio. It's difficult. I'm trying my best to try to get a good setup. I don't know why. I just constant problems. Last week, the, the, the show didn't even record. And so it's just it's just really been a been a difficult difficult thing with the the technical difficulties. I'm trying to to iron it out. I don't know why. When I did the YouTube, that really was supposed to be the best way to do it. And doing the YouTube, the sound was much better. I was using my actual perfection, you know, perfect mic. And it's a much better, higher quality mic. I had the sound being pumped in and a, and a, a track next to it so I could adjust the sound, adjust the music. But that had some problem with buffering and no one could hear. So now I'm back to Podbean with just the phone sitting on the mic stand, broadcasting that. And that presents its own problems. So we have all these problems. So it is what it is. I'm trying. I think one day, you know, the, I think part of the problem is I got so much going on. So many different things from so many different angles going on and it just causes all these problems. And so when I really got to sit down and like figure out this setup, I did it over Christmas and I had it, but then it didn't work the first time it worked great. And then it sounded amazing. And then the second time it just stopped working. It was a real pain. It just stopped working um, because I was trying to record it simultaneously. And now we're back to square one. I just need time to sit and concentrate on one thing or the other. And yeah, the Dolphins cast works fine because that's not live. Like the Dolphins cast is recorded. So if I, when I record on this, like the pre-recorded versions, it sounds great. Cause I hook it up to pop to pro tools. I have my microphone and I record it. It sounds great to do it live with just audio. I got to do it somehow. And it, the YouTube wasn't keeping up, so it wasn't recording it at the same time it was broadcasting. So you, it was breaking up every two seconds, and you guys were like, I can't hear you. It's not working. So I had to unplug it and go back. And even YouTube broadcasting the Dolphin Show live, I'm trying to figure out, because I got to use a different program to do it. Now, there is a program that allows you to broadcast live a little better. But it's completely internet-based, like it's not a native app on your computer. So I got to explore and figure that out. It's just constant. It's like no matter what happened to my last phone, I guess the sound was okay. But the problem was it started running out of memory. So I had to upgrade my phone. I guess something's wrong with this phone where the microphone's covered by the cover or something or you can't hear me creates another problem. So now before I broadcast again, on the Logic and Larry podcast, I got to do tests with this phone to figure out why the volume's low. So long story short, it just never ends, man. The technical stuff sucks, and it's part of the problem with just being a producer, host, you know, music guy, everything together. Like, I don't have anybody to help me with the technological stuff to run it for me. And that's the other thing. On the Dolphins Live podcast, when I do the live show on the Dolphins show, that guy, TD Finn's talk, he, the TD Finn's talk guy, he runs it. He produces it. Like he controls everything. Well, I just got to talk. So it's, it's tough. It's tough. And yeah, some of the fellas, yeah. 
I'll figure it out. I mean, I'll figure it out. I've been doing audio for a long time, just trying to finish this album. I don't know why this thing is, this phone is not picking up my audio well. It could just be a setting that like the input or something and the audio is low. I have to just fix it. But I'll figure that out. I'll figure that out. I'm glad you guys could hear me to this point. And then when I do the uh, edits right now, when I put out the recorded version, I'll, I'll increase my volume. But uh, no, yeah, I can't switch the software now because the software is Podbean. And that's it's the only program that's going to record me and let me broadcast live at the same time. And YouTube, I couldn't download the show. The one show that was good on YouTube, it wouldn't let me download it. YouTube Live won't let you download the audio file. So I couldn't download the audio file from YouTube to put out as a recorded version. So then I tried to record it simultaneously while broadcasting, and that's when you guys couldn't hear it because it kept skipping and stopping. So the whole thing's a pain. It, it's just a pain. It's, it's going to take a lot of effort to try to fix. And right now I'm just trying to get this album done and get all my other stuff done. Um, but, you know, I don't know why this is a new problem now with the phone being low. It's a new problem. At least you guys can hear me. At least you can hear me. I mean, you guys are listening. I can tell because you're talking in there. But, I mean, I'll have to try to fix the volume issue. I don't know why it's low. I don't know why this particular phone is a Galaxy S10. The last one's a Galaxy X9. But apparently between the 9 and the 10, the volume goes to nothing. I don't I have no idea. I'm trying. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys joining me, man. This was a, a difficult show that we had to do. Um, we had to do this show. I appreciate everybody joining me. I appreciate everybody contributing. I appreciate everybody's comments. Um, I appreciate everybody kind of doing what we do. And what do we do on this show? What do we do on Logic and Larry? What do we do on the Logic and Larry podcast? We talk about things objectively, even if they're difficult situations, even if it's difficult topics. We talk about them. We find solutions. We discuss them. And we go out into the world and try to implement them. This is not a solution that's going to happen overnight. This is something, unfortunately, I think we're going to see over and over again. But at least we have our little area here with our people to discuss these things to try to go out there incrementally and make things better and make things a better place. So Sahil, thank you so much for the love. Please subscribe, please join us. I'm usually on every other Friday night live. I won't be on this Friday or next Friday, but I'll be on a different Friday from there. Uh, join me, I, I come on live a lot. And then if you don't catch the live show, the show is available as a recording on every major po podcast platform, iTunes, uh, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Apple Music. It's available everywhere. Please continue to tune in. Please share the show. Please uh, let people know that this is something good to listen to. Let's spread more objective truth. Let's have more honest discussions with each other. Let's keep it up. Uh, and until then, guys, this was a special edition. I will talk to you very soon. I will let you know when the next show will be, probably the Friday after next. But I will talk to you very, very soon. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. Feel free to reach out to me on the phone, on text message or whatever. Feel free to talk to me. I look forward to seeing all of you guys out there proliferating and spreading this knowledge and honest discussion that we had tonight. Stay strong. Stay optimistic. Prayers go out to those who, who are dying from these mass shootings, but let's keep up our effort to get real change enacted. Let's keep up our effort to actually make something happen. You guys are a blessing. It's great to spend time with you guys. I will talk to you very, very, very soon. Have a good night. Good night.